Welcome into another edition of Tampa 2. Casey Phillips here with staff writer Bree Dix. And we are coming to you on a Wednesday this week as compared to Fridays because of this <laughs> short week, which, you know, uh, I think it is both the best and worst time for there to be a short week yes. for this team. I know that's something that a lot of guys have been asked about this week. And most of them say, yeah, we're we're happy to be turning the page. Right. That it is, you know, after a game like this last Sunday. Let's put it behind us. Let's <laughs> just move on down the road. Of course, it does then make it harder to make adjustments, changes, right. and harder to get guys back from injury. So it definitely has some pros and cons. Where do you stand on that? I think I loved how, and I'm going to use that later for the main quote, but I loved Larry Foote's take on it, the co-defensive coordinator. Um, he said that basically when you are going through walkthroughs, you're able to really – dumb things down and focus solely on fundamentals. You're able to really go into those run fits and the run schemes and focus on that at a slower pace. Mm -hmm. So he said, I think this is going to be really good this week, especially with facing a speed threat like Lamar Jackson, taking things at a slower pace than what they're, they're used to in practices, which that's certainly not how I was looking at it, you know, it's like, oh, you have way less practices. Right. It's just basically a walkthrough. There's not as much physicality. But I think that m may honestly be the best thing for this team going into Thursday night. Yeah, I, th I agree with that. I think that's really interesting. And like I said, I mean, I think it's just so great to be able to hopefully get the bad taste out of your mouth. Yes. Because as much as we talked on this podcast last week about how unfortunate that Steelers game was, uh, I, I don't think any of us saw us being where we are at this point. So now this is kind of our goal in this podcast is to talk about what happened, what the team yes. has learned, and then moving forward, how to uh, make sure that this game against the Ravens goes differently. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start with the takeaways from Carolina, which I'm sure we won't want to necessarily dwell on for a long time, huge yeah. amount of time. You know, nobody needs that on this Wednesday hump day. But let's start with that. And what are some of the things that you felt like you took from that game other than it just didn't go how we mm -hmm. needed it to go? Well, I think one of the things that you and I have harped on on this is wanting to see a complete game, right? Wanting to see that consistency on the offensive and defensive side of the ball along with special teams, and you didn't see that against the Panthers. The, for the offense, the same issues popped up. You know, it was the short yardage. It was third down. I mean, they were 2 of 12 on converting on third downs. And you just saw they were out of sync once again. You know, the Tom Brady, the receivers, couldn't get into a rhythm, and you couldn't sustain drives. And then defensively, you saw starting out, well, and then once again, you saw the lapses in the second half. You know, in the first half, they held Carolina to 34 rushing yards and then gave up 139 in the second half, including that 60-yarder to Deontay Foreman, which was demoralizing for, for that unit. But I think once again, you're seeing the, the blown coverages, the run bus that the coaching staff has harped on. And I think that's one of the main things that this team is going to have to work on and is going to have to fix in facing a run-heavy team like the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, it's so interesting that if you'd said, okay, the Panthers are going to get rid of Christian McCaffrey, how do you think their run game is going to do? Yes. No one would have seen that coming. And I, I think it's interesting what you talked about, about the schemes and the communication and fits that – you know, this is theoretically this year we talked about one of the strengths of the team is that you have so many guys who grew up in this system. And I think we talked about this last right. week after the Steelers game where we saw a few blown assignments, coverages, yeah. things like that, where you saw Najee Harris just walking on in there and 
you know, wondering what had happened, especially when, again, that was how last season ended. And we knew it was going to be the point of right. emphasis of the communication, the discipline. And it felt like you had so many key pieces who are now not as young, that the, right. they are not rookies anymore for the most part. And it is guys who know this Todd Bowles scheme, know their role, and somehow you can tell Bowles is just like, you know, there's just somehow still some miscommunication mm -hmm. happening. Guys, he's like, we've put this, this was installed day one. Right. Day one of training camp, this was put in. And I know on, on the radio show I had with him, he talked about how it's it's even a half a yard difference in right. you know whether or not you're really in your run gap. And those little details, I think, are what somehow are missing. And when it comes to the the actual run stopping part, you know, we have talked about the idea that Akeem Hicks was was going to be such a huge, literal and figurative uh, part of that. And yeah. to have been missing him has been tough. And now, of course, we this is something we can talk about later in the show. But he did show up for the first time finally at practice after mm -hmm. being out for a long time. I find it hard to imagine that on a short week is when he would return, but it is at least a good sign that he will be coming back shortly. So hopefully that can give a little bit of a boost to it. But yeah, this team who's, that has been known for being absolutely dominant in run defense to give up that many yards to a team right. minus Christian McCaffrey, if there was ever a wake-up call, this game was it. And for both sides of the ball, and sometimes maybe you need that. You don't want to have to need that. Right. But, you know, and... I, as much as it's a bit of a skies falling mentality right now, I'm sure among Tampa Bay fans, you have to remember how much season there is left. And this is even where the chiefs were last year right. record wise. And obviously that didn't hurt them in the long run. And, uh, the one perk of now there being 17 games is it is that much more mm -hmm. that you have to play. And so there's still plenty of time for them to write the ship. And maybe this is that game that is the wake up call of what needs to happen. Well, and I think they're kind of using the mentality that, you know, everybody's focusing on on all these things that are going wrong. You know, the the third down, the lapses on defense. But at the same time, you have to think also what the coaches are harping on that they don't have some of the same personnel that they've had in the past. So you're yep. going to have to win in a different way. And they're still trying to find that identity. You've had guys out. You haven't had Julio Jones. You haven't had Akeem Hicks. They're still trying to form things together. Guys coming back from injury like Chris Godwin, they're still trying to work into things. And that's going to take time. And football fans are not are not patient. Nope, <laughs> nope, not, uh, but, not a patient you know, bunch. And it's kind of... Also along the lines of the defense, you know, not being able to get to the quarterback, not getting the sack numbers, the pressures. But at the same time, they haven't been able to force teams into those second and third and long situations mm -hmm. where Todd Bowles can unleash pass rushers. Right. So I think it's just going to take time in formulating that cohesion on, on both sides of the football. Yeah, one of the stats that's really stood out to me is the uh, no forced turnovers in three games. Yes. That is not a hallmark of a Todd Bowles defense yes. that has not been the hallmark of this Todd Bowles defense that they even still with that are still up there in the league in forced turnovers now right. granted almost all of them came in one game <laughs> but you know I think just the fact that now it's been three games that and there's so many elements to it it's getting the pressure to force either the sack fumble right. or to force an errant throw and then being where you are supposed to be to take advantage of those things. There's a lot of, and you know, does the ball bounce the way you want it to or whatever. There, there are a lot of fluky things about it, but man, after three games, it's starting to feel like, okay, we, there, there needs to be some more aggressive things. Cause that's what also can really help your offense 
get into a better place of better field position or even just taking some of that burden off both sides of the ball that just some of those game-changing plays have been missing. Mm -hmm. And that's when a game turns into a slog, right? right? When you're constantly having to try to do these 12 and 14 play drives of, you know, getting all the way down the field and you're it's it just everything feels like so much work. And right. if you're then not getting right. off the field on third down, the defense is out there a long time. I think they just need a couple big plays, right. either, you know, the, the big play to Mike Evans to start the game mm. or <gasps> one big turnover, something along right. those lines. It's really impactful in terms of just the feel of a game yeah. that can start to feel like a slog. Well, and I think even Larry Foote was saying for – Shaq Barrett you know he's like he's been consistent there's been times he's he's come off the block he's beaten the one-on-one he's getting there and the ball's already gone you know they're going against really short passing attacks to try and mitigate the Bucks pressure so that hasn't helped also in terms of getting the sacks getting the the forced turnovers getting those errant throws from the pressure because quarterbacks are immediately getting at it it out of their hands on that their short passing attack or the perimeter attacks. Mm-hmm. So I think too it's part partially how teams are playing. Yeah, the Bucks. Yeah, I did think that was important because it's easy to just look and say, oh, you know, maybe Shaq doesn't have the stats we thought he would. Right. But if he's winning his matchup, yeah, that's not his fault if the right. ball's that's already, not his gone. Fault if yeah. already gone. Yeah. So I do think that is also important to remember. Okay, so let's go ahead and look forward to this next game that is coming in quick here on a Thursday night. Um, keys to the game in your mind. I think we all know what, what is coming for that one, and that is going to be maintaining gaps and trying to limit Lamar Jackson. And notice that I said limit Not because stop. there is no way yeah. that you can completely neutralize Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. He is a fun player to watch. He's one of the most dynamic players in the NFL and you cannot replicate his speed during practice in the scout team. I mean, he's completely changing the way opponents have to defend. I mean, his elusiveness in space, his ability to juke defenders. And I mean, his size. every single time he breaks for a run, he has a chance of hitting a home run mm-hmm. and breaking for for long yardage. I mean, he is just absolutely explosive yeah. in the open field. And I mean, the their whole entire system is based off his rushing ability. Mm-hmm. You know, that that RPO game, getting, you know, motions, moving guys to the other side behind those counters, those pulls, and then getting him out on the other side, either whether he tucks and runs it or he hands it off to the running back. So I think the the biggest thing for this team is going to be controlling those gaps in in the eye discipline yeah. this week because he can absolutely gash a team on the ground. Yeah, I was looking at some stats and it's like we all know this about Lamar Jackson, but then man, as you read it, it's it puts it into perspective even more. So he's already sixth all time in rushing yards by a quarterback. Right. He only needs fifty seven more for fifth place. He's not been in the league that long right you know and then he also I love he you know his career rushing yards per game ranks number one and he already has 510 rushing yards this season 510 rushing yards just by his lonesome so then you factor in now they've also gotten Gus Edwards back Mm -hmm. so there's a whole other you know looks like he looks great so a whole other dimension and again the the run game and just knowing how much that is going to demand of you up front right and then I think that because of that you you know you're going to be so focused on that can you still stay disciplined 
also when, like you said, those RPOs, if they choose to all of a sudden be throwing the ball and are, right. you know, where's your secondary? Can you be, you know, are you not giving up the middle of the field over the top because you're so focused on getting down in those gaps right. that I can see where that's the thing that has given Lamar Jackson such an up is that man, not only can he run, not only are you focused on that, he has really improved, I think, in his decision-making, his vision, his pocket awareness, his ability to sit back yeah. there and make some throws where, cause of course it's so crazy to look back and remember in the combine when they're asking him if he would just move to playing a wide receiver or a this or a that, that like, are we right. sure or you can be back. Yeah. yeah, running back? So, like, are we sure you can do this quarterback thing? Which I remember, you know, he was very insulted by as yes. he should have been. And to now look back at that and see that, yeah, no, I think he made a wise choice. Think, yeah. I think that, yeah. that was a pretty, pretty good plan there. And he has really matured in that vision, decision-making, right. passing ability as well. Um, well so, and yeah. That, yeah, I love that you mentioned that because, I mean, yeah, we all know his agility, the, mm -hmm. his explosiveness on those jump cuts and the ability to just destroy a team on the ground. But like you mentioned, like there's been that stereotype that because of his ability as a dual threat quarterback, his mobility, that he doesn't have that effectiveness as a passer. Yep. But like you, I mean, he has sensational arm talent and yep. he can beat coverages with placement of the ball. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that dynamic that he has with Mark Andrews is is another dimension that they have and another wrinkle that teams have to account for. Right. And that's perfect because that can slide us into our next topics that we're going to, we can kind of combine of some of the key matchups and then also injury updates because those right. are sort of tied together yes. this week in particular. So um, what are some of those key matchups that you are watching for this game? Now, Mark Andrews hasn't practiced this week with a knee injury, but... And again, we are recording this before yes. Wednesday's uh, injury report comes yes. out, so I just like to throw that out there. So for so, Monday and Tuesday. Not sure if he's going to end up playing, but if he does, my key matchup is going to be either Levante David, Devin White, or Keanu Neal versus Mark Andrews. And yeah, he didn't have a fantastic game against the Browns last week, they were able to scheme things up to try and take him away, and they succeeded. I mean, he did. He had zero catches right. on the day, but he is still one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He's a fluid route runner, you know, is able to take advantage of those soft spots and zones. He's adept in getting run after the catch. Yep. And this defense did not play well against Travis Kelsey when they played the Chiefs. You know, they, they really struggled. He was Patrick Mahomes' go-to target and yeah. absolutely was just demoralized the team on those underneath intermediate routes, boxing out defenders. So I think that one of the biggest things for this team this week is going to be trying to limit Mark Andrews. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And uh, it, it is hard when we don't know whether or not he's going to play, but right. – um, yeah, I mean, he's what they want to go to in terms of the passing game. And uh, I think that is a huge one. And I think uh, for me, I might go a little bit more like Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon on setting the edge. Yes. I think that that's going to be very important because you know those guys are focused on getting to the quarterback. You know that's what they want to do. They want to get him down. But then it's so much more complicated than that with yeah. Lamar. And mm -hmm. it's... Are you, yes, are you overrunning, trying so desperately to get the sack that then you're letting him escape? Are right. you getting out of position? Are you putting yourself in a tough spot and ending up giving up more yards right. than if you had just been disciplined? And maybe you don't get the sack, but he also doesn't get the yards. That I think that is going to be an interesting thing to watch is 
can you force them into some pass-only options, right? be disciplined early on to where then you can kind of pin your ears back mm-hmm. and go, but but also not pin your ears back in a way that you then lose him, yes. you know, and let him sneak through there. And I just feel like avoiding that, you know, I'm picturing third and nine and you're thinking you just get to go for him and then all of a sudden yeah. he's running for 11 or 12 yards. Yeah. And that is the kind of play that is very demoralizing for a defense and that Lamar Jackson can produce. Right. Well, and I think his speed is unpredictable. You know, no matter how much teams prepare for him, I mean, they know that he's going to run. They know his ability, but yet he still beats teams every single week. Mm-hmm. And it's because that speed is unpredictable. You know, you can try and game plan all you want, but but you get out there in the live game action and he takes off running, then you're hit in the face yep. with what this guy can do. And I think teams have basically all but stopped blitzing the guy because, like you mentioned, if if teams over-pursue or they don't get him down, mm-hmm. well, then he immediately is able to juke out of the pocket and step up into that vacated gap and hit the ground rolling. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the injury situation as well because that you, you mentioned Keanu Neal. For one thing, that is uh, a big part of it to me, mm-hmm. the the Antoine Winfield Jr. concussion, and that's the, yes. where it is really unfortunate when you have a Thursday game because that is just uh, almost assuredly not enough time to be able to clear protocol and be back. So um, I feel like he is one of the guys on this team that if you're listing – the, the people you least want to be missing yes. in it's any him. game, and then particularly this game, game. it's him. Yes. Um, so what did you see in terms of the way well, – and, and maybe let's just talk about the secondary at large that Carlton Davis was missing last game. Uh, he has not participated mm-hmm. Monday or Tuesday, um, but we'll have – you know who knows whether or not he's going to be available, and Sean Murphy Bunting has not participated either day, and then now Antoine Winfield Jr., and you already had Logan Ryan – on right. injured reserve. So, you know, looking at this secondary as a whole this mm-hmm. week, what did you see from this last week that was good, bad, and ugly? And what do you think it could look like this week? I think you're going to have to continuously see guys step up because you don't have a lot of your starters. You're going to have you're going to see a bigger role from Keanu Neal, and he had he did have several big plays, some great tackles, which he's known for that coverage ability. You know, being one on one with backs, being one on ones with. Um, tight ends, you know, having kind of that that cover three when he was with um, Atlanta and then obviously transitioned to linebacker with Dallas. But he has that physicality, was kind of that box safety. And Todd Bowles has said, you know, he's going to have to do more things for us. So I think he's a guy that you're going to be looking at. But then also D Delaney, you know, he had to come in and play a bigger role when you that you didn't have Carlton Davis and he'll have a bigger role this week as well. So mm-hmm. those are the guys that are going to have to – play well and, and rise to the occasion. And then you, on a positive note, you had Akeem Hicks coming back after he hadn't practiced in five weeks. He's been doing stuff this week. And then Mike Evans, Julio Jones, and Shaq Mason, after not practicing on Monday and walk through, were limited on Tuesday. Yeah, and Co'Keefe as well. Yes, and Co'Keefe. Um, which, that was something we didn't talk about from this last week that to me was kind of one of the few bright spots in that loss was the tight end group. That without Cam Brate, you still had great production from Kate Otten. You even had Coquith getting in there in an 18 yard catch. You even saw Kyle Rudolph getting a catch that um, that group has continued to seem to be on an upward trajectory and made the coaches very happy, playing consistent. Um, so that's something that I think is really exciting to see as this offense continues to find its footing. We always hear that the tight ends can be that safety blanket. And 
it's tough when they've been you know, a lot of rookies yes. to view that as a safety blanket. And so for them to be at the point now where I think you see they're building that trust with Tom and the coaches trust them to be where they're supposed to be doing what they're supposed to do. Cause that's a position that gets asked a lot of in general, in terms of the yeah. preparation and, I had their position coach, John Van Dam, on my show earlier this week, and he talked about how many meetings they have to go to because, for one thing, their guys are you know playing special teams, but then it's also, oh, we're going to the run meetings, we're going to the pass meetings, we're going right. to our meetings, we're going to this yeah. meeting. And it's like you're involved in everything as a tight end. You're working with the yeah. alignment on the blocking. You're working on that. Like, there's just a lot being asked to those guys, and so I think that has been in, in the days where things have been a struggle these last couple of weeks – I'm clinging to the whole tight end position group really stepping up and looking good. Oh, yeah. And he's been phenomenal on coverage on mm -hmm. special teams. He's yeah. made Co so many tackles. Yeah, yeah just bulldozing people. I mean, it's it's exciting to watch and even kind of is in the extension of that offensive line. And then also he's adept at pass catching. I mean, you've seen him catch some passes o over the middle of the field. But I think it's exciting to see when you look at even that catch that Kate Otten made was one of the best plays against mm -hmm. Carolina – um, where Brady threw the dart to him down the field and was one of the best plays they had for chunk yardage. Mm -hmm. But I think, too, it's interesting when you look at tight ends coming into the league. You know, generally they don't immediately make an impact. Right. You know, because there's so many intricacies that this position encompasses in the NFL, like you mentioned, with blocking, pass catching. I mean, they're, they're asked to do so many things. Yeah. But in college, it's more of just – they're solely an inline blocker or they're essentially like a large slot receiver. And then when they get to the NFL, it's wake up call. Yep. You have to do all of the above. Right. So I think it's really encouraging to see the progress that they've made and for Tom to immediately trust them as quickly as, as he's had in 2022. For sure. All right, let's go into our player to watch. Who mm -hmm. is that for you this week? With no Antoine dealing with the concussion, I'm going to go with Mike Edwards. I think he is going to play a big role in limiting Lamar Jackson mm -hmm. on, on Thursday because whether he he's going to have to try and diagnose, okay, is Lamar going to tuck it and run? Is he going to hand it off to the running back? Is he going to throw a bomb downfield to Mark Andrews? You know, he's a guy that's going to have to make that decision and make those those reads, and if he does – if it is a run, well, then he's going to have to sprint downhill and try to get into the mix for a tackle. Or if he's lined up deep and, mm -hmm. you know, Jackson throws it down, he's going to have to potentially be that that safety deep, that last line of defense and the guy over the top yep. to make a play. So I think any way you look at this, he's going to have to have a really, really big game in limiting Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to take a bit of an unconventional choice this week because in, in, traditionally when you look at a player to watch, we tend to pick, quote-unquote, skill positions, which I've always yes. hated that term anyways. Yeah. They all take skill people. we got to figure out yeah. another term for this. But because I don't know another term currently, I'll, I'll call it that. I'm going to go with one of the non-skill positions because this is something we have not talked about yet that is a huge story this week is the Luke Gedeke, Nick Leverett situation. Yes. So Luke Gedeke has not practiced uh, either day with a foot injury. Now, it's interesting because Coach Bowles was asked earlier this week what is that going to look like of after we saw Luke Gedeke and Nick Leverett essentially rotating almost yes. this last game that there was they they went they didn't just take Luke out and keep Nick in the rest of the game that there was some back and forth yeah. there and I thought that Nick Leverett did an amazing job I saw one play in particular where he just 
single-handedly almost opened a hole for Fournette, got to the second level, was killing it. Um, so I was very impressed by that to come in, having not played since the preseason, having very little NFL experience, to come in mid-game and make an impact I thought was really right. impressive. So Coach was asked this week, are you starting? which one of them are you starting or playing? And then seeing that Luke Gedeke was hurt, how does that factor in? And basically Coach said, um, you know, obviously if Luke can't play, then – then that answers that question. But he said, even if he can, you will see some Nick Leverett. Leverett. And I thought that was really interesting. He didn't have to say that. He could have just said, well, we'll see what the health situation is. The fact that that shows they are now actively choosing to see what Nick Leverett brings. And um, I think that that's going to be really interesting to watch this week. So Nick Leverett is my player to watch, knowing we will see some of him. Yes. And there's a chance now that Luke has not practiced either day, we will only be seeing Nick Leverett. Um, I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch if he really does get an entire game, mm -hmm. gets to start. Uh, it's going to be a big deal to see and how that chemistry looks with Donovan Smith and with Robert Hainsey. And I, I just, the offensive line obviously has been a group that has been discussed more than almost any other position yes. on this team this year so that is my player to watch this week so let's close with our quote of the week yes go ahead my dear so I am going to use the quote from Larry Foote mm -hmm. on the difficulties of having a short week and facing the Baltimore Ravens and he said the next couple of days we're going to walk through so I think that will help us it's going to be a lot slower we can teach a different run game we're not used to playing a quarterback that dynamic, and he's involved in the run game. I think it's going to help us out as far as it being slower, and we can do a lot more teaching. But if I had it my way, I would love a full week, but the slow pace and teaching the process are going to help us. Yep. Because I was definitely, when he said, I'd love to have the longer week, and I was like, well, yep. coach, yeah, count yep. me in. That's exactly what I was thinking, but I, I love how he – honed in on the teaching this week, mm -hmm. going back to the basics, going back to the fundamentals of those those run fits and looking at their run scheme because you will not face a player like Lamar Jackson. Yep. This takes more discipline than almost yes. any other game. I agree. Okay, so mine is probably the one that was most quoted in general or talked about this week. It was what Coach Bowles said immediately after the game where he said – We've got to see what we're made of, how many people can handle adversity. It's about as dark as it's going to be, and those guys who are going to step up this week in practice, our leaders are going to lead. I just thought that that was important for him to say, because I do think sometimes after a rough game or in a rough stretch, it's you can hear this, everything is fine, the sky is not falling, we'll get it figured out. Right. And everybody knew it was not fine after that game. And that is not what this organization wants right. to be playing like. It's not what the players want. It's not what the coaches want. And for him to come out and say, like, yeah, things are dark at this moment. And this is where you see who can handle adversity. This is where you see leaders mm -hmm. step up. And this team has a lot of leaders on it. And, I mean, you have Tom Brady, who has been through more than any other player in terms of just sheer quantity of time. Yes. He's seen all the things. Um, but then you – Sometimes I think because we have Brady, we forget about guys like a Levante David. And, you know, there are so many people on this team who've been here for a long time, who have seen a lot of things. And to watch your team and say, like, coaches can yell and scream or teach until they're blue in the face. But it's going to take the players in that locker room saying no more and stepping up and not letting this become a snowball effect. And I think that that's – 
what I was excited to see him say, and I'm sure it's what he's saying in the meeting rooms and at practice all week of, look, this is where we see what you're made of. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad that it's at home. Yes. I'm glad that it is a, you know, primetime game. And again, it's like, look, all, all the eyes are on you tonight. How do you, what are you respond do about it? Yep. How do you respond to that? And so, uh, they got me fired up. I, I have nothing to do with it, but I was ready. I was ready to play hard. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's right, coach. Who's going to step up? Um, so that was my favorite quote of the week, I think. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Tampa 2 on a short week. We hope everybody enjoys that Thursday night football game against the Ravens, and we will be back here next week to talk about it on Tampa 2.